This is episode 710 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Five Important Documents Every Prepper Should Have. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, I'm really excited about a project that I completed. I've been talking about it, but I just want to continue to share about it. It is something that believers are always wrestling with, and, and that question is, is preparedness biblical? And I, put, I put together a small group video-based Bible study to answer that question. And this is great for Sunday school groups or small groups, home groups, or just a group of friends that you want to get together who want to look at scripture, but also learn about preparedness and how to get prepared. And I'll also say, I believe it would be a good resource to be able to draw people together to see who could possibly be in a group that you might put together. Now, this Bible study comes with a leader's guide complete with two sets of discussion questions for each session. They're Bible study questions and preparedness questions. So you can have those conversations about both at the same time. I've also included preparedness-based icebreakers and other resources that would be valuable to anyone going through this study and really helps to get the conversation going. The great thing is you don't have to be an expert in the Bible or preparedness to lead this. You just need to show the videos and read the questions for discussion. Now, if you're interested in starting a small group for your friends, or even if you would like to make your church or pastor aware of this study, you can find the link in the show notes. Guys, I also want to remind you of the top 10 on Prepper website. It's a $5 a month service where I will send you the top 10 articles every single week uh, from Prepper website to your email in a nice newsletter format. I think it's a great value. It's a way to support Prepper website and the podcast and what I'm doing, but it also gives you these articles that have been the most clicked on and probably the most valuable for you. And so you don't have to wait through all the other uh, articles that are on there. You know, we post a lot of information on Prepper website, but this way it gives you those uh, more popular articles all in your email. So if you're interested in that, you can click on the link to go over to Buy Me a Coffee. Um, you can also go over there to uh, check out what I'm doing. Like I'm kind of using that as my social media. All right. So last week, I put out a surprise podcast episode. I put it out on Wednesday. And I really only heard one person. I got one one uh, bit of feedback from someone on Facebook, actually. And they were like, why is a... Uh, why is a bot, you know, reading articles to me? You know, this is this is how Skynet gets started, and uh, it, that's you know kind of funny. And uh, I hope he was joking <laughs> because um, that was just um, kind of an experiment, a special edition of what could go, you know, what's possible. And so I didn't get any feedback from anyone. I was really wanting to get a little bit more feedback, other than that one piece that I got off of Facebook. And the thing is, is that. Um, when I do a podcast episode, I have like everything shuts down. I record these pretty much either Saturday morning or Sunday morning, really early, and everybody has to be quiet. You know, uh, that's even if they're up. 
I have to turn off the AC because the AC is really, really loud, and you would hear that come through on the, you know, on the mic. And so, you know, it's very rare that I can, I can kind of do that. And actually, if you listen to some of the early, early episodes when I was recording in my kitchen back in the day, uh, you could, uh, you could hear some things going on in the background. And I really got to the point where I was trying to make a better you know, podcast. So I've tried to improve the sound throughout the years, and that's why I'm I'm pretty particular about when I actually record. But being able to use the software that I did, and it was a software that I bought, um, you know, it wasn't very expensive, but I was able to buy it, and I was able to put uh, text in there. So I'm able to use an article that was on Prepper website, but I'm able to put the text in there, and it spits out a you know an audio file. Uh, and different different versions. I can use different voices and, and, and things like that. But uh, just you know, I was just curious: is it is it better to not even try that, or to have another option out there? And you know, that other option would be there. There would be something to to set it off, right? You would know that this is a special edition, or this is you know uh, uh, the bot or whatever. This is not Todd. It's not the the you know, the, the episode that gets released in uh, at the beginning of the week. So uh, I'm just curious if you have any feedback, send me an email at todd.sepulveda at prepperwebsite.com. There's always links that you can uh, hit that you know over on the podcast, and I'd be uh, interested in hearing your feedback about that. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the episode. It comes to us from Urban Survival Site, and the you know the article is I, I named this this episode "Bug Out Docs," and really that's uh, you know when you when you really think about it is re- that's what an emergency binder really is. I mean, the article is entitled Five Important Documents Every Prepper Should Have," and it's really based around an emergency binder. And so these five important docs, it's really uh, more, uh, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, five individual documents. It's more these big uh, ideas here that you should have, the different types of documents that you should have. And so when you are leaving your home because of an emergency, whatever it might be, you will need these documents. These documents are important. And the thing is, is that it's not sexy. It's not something that People, you know, when you think about preparedness and a lot of people think about firearms and they think about, you know, going out into the woods and building fires. And I don't know, there's all these different ideas of what preparedness slash survival slash homesteading slash being prepared might be for a lot of people. But taking a weekend and getting all your important documents together and making copies of them usually is not one of those things that people think about. You know, it's not it's not one of those sexy uh, topics that we that we do. But it it was so so important to be able to do this and to have this for yourself and for your family if there ever was an emergency. You know, I talk about Hurricane Harvey a lot, and Hurricane Harvey was this nasty, you know, a thousand year flood that they talk about here, you know, in on the Gulf Coast. And I have a lot of friends who lost everything. And I remember one, uh, one, one friend that was, um, that I went to school with and she lost everything. I mean, she, I remember she was taking pictures from the second floor, from her second uh, story. Right. And she was like, you know, taking pictures down and, and the water was so high up. So she lost everything. Uh, you know, her marriage license, her 
college uh, records, um, her kids' pictures, and all the things that were uh, were there that she had stored up from the years before. I mean, bank statements and mortgages, and uh, you talk about you know medical records and stuff. I mean, if they were at, you know in an office uh, on the first floor, you're you're done. And so think about going through an emergency situation, whether it is a fire. And, you know, we've got fires roaring on the West Coast, uh, there, whether it's a flood, um, whether it's a tornado that comes and, and wipes out your home, whatever it might be, you think about a natural disaster and you think about having to deal with your home and, and everything is lost. And on top of that, you need to have these important documents. You need to have your mortgage papers. You need to have insurance papers. You need to have, uh, you know, medical records. And you don't have any of that kind of stuff. And then you have to go stand in line in some government facility to be able to get copies of them, or you know, mail off to to get copies of them. And where are you going to mail them off to? You know, where are they going to come back to? Uh, you have all that that situation having to deal with it. So it makes a lot of sense to have some of these documents, uh, the most important documents, stored away and have copies. And we're going to talk about that. So let's go ahead and jump into this one here. So listen, being prepared means doing boring stuff sometimes. But doing the boring stuff will pay off big time if you need it. For example, you could spend a lot of money and countless hours learning how to build a shelter out in the woods. You may never really use that skill. But if your house burned down or flooded, you would truly benefit from having your bug out docks or your emergency binder ready to go and maybe even stashed at a relative's house. This is the stuff of practical preparedness for regular people. So again, the title is five important documents every prepper should have from Urban Survival Site. Let's go ahead and jump into this one. Preppers are exceptionally good at making lists and even keeping lists of lists. We have a copious amount of shelf-stable food, medical supplies, and ammo stacked on shelves and inventory. But one thing preppers frequently forget about is important documents. We or our loved ones may need them both during and after an SHTF scenario. When making a prepping plan, there are numerous things at the top of the to-do list. And for most of us, it is unlikely that putting together a binder of files, forms, and photos will be as high a priority as band-aids, beans, and bullets, but they should come in a close second. So what documents are important for preppers to stockpile? While the exact documents each prepping family may need may vary, there are multiple common types of information and pa papers that truly need to be preserved. During, our, during or after an SHTF, you may need to prove your identity or prove that your children actually belong to you. Any type of document, address book, map, mortgage, insurance, and banking information you may need during and after a disaster should be copied and kept in a manner that protects it from fire and the elements. Should the SHTF scenario involve a solar flare, power grid down incident, or a natural disaster like a flood, tornado, or fire, paper or digital records of any document that you need might be destroyed. Here are the five types of important documents you need to preserve. So the first type is identity documents. And guys, I'm going to, as I read these, there are some things that I don't agree with here that I'll kind of point out. For the most part, everything, I, I do agree with everything, but there are some little things here that I'll just kind of point out, some differences that I, that I would uh, suggest. So the first type is identity documents. So if you are away from home when disaster strikes, 
you may need to prove to some type of governmental authority or a citizen band standing on the county line that you indeed live in the area and should be permitted to pass. Now, I'm going to tell you that this happened in our area not too long ago when there were floods in uh, the Tomball area in the Houston area. So Tomball is like a suburb out. Uh, it's, a, it's a city, but it's a, like a suburb of Houston. And a lot of people live out there. A lot of people where uh, I work live out there. And that was one of the things is they were stopping people to verify that you did live in the area before you were allowed to go back there to your home and to your property so that, you know, they would kind of stop looters from going and, and, and causing any any damage. All right, so moving on here. In addition to keeping your driver's license, your CCW card, your social security card, and a similar commonly used proof of identification documents always on your person, they should also be copied and placed in a binder that is stored in the family safe. Any card you use to access locations that you may need to go to post-disaster should also be kept in the same binder. Typical identification cards of this type include parking tags or stickers, employment identification cards, group or association membership cards, etc. So some of the other things that you might want to include there are maybe like your passport that, you know, copies of your passport might be something. Um, even if you like, for instance, I have heard of times where, again, going back to where they were trying to stop people or verify that people actually uh, lived in the area. Let's just say you lived, you you had a retreat property, and there was you know a situation where they were checking if you live there. Your regular uh, driver's license is going to have your home address on there. It's not going to have your retreat address. So having some kind of information that um, identified your retreat um, that you own that could be uh, important in that identity document type, right? Having that in, in, in that uh, piece where you're able to say, no, I own that property over there. This is, you know, our, our retreat, or this is our, our weekend. This is our, our, our country getaway, you know, whatever it might be so that you can prove that you're able to get back there. Um, one of the things that you might want to consider is they might not allow you to bring other people in. And, you know, if, if there was a situation where they were actually, uh, looking at uh, people who were coming and going and, and guarding you know, the highway, right? Or, or um, you know, have roadblocks up. So that's something to consider there. The next type of documents that you might want to consider having in an emergency binder or your bug out document binder is your family connection documents. So important documents for preppers are not only of the government or bank issue type, in our modern world, more folks keep images of their loved ones in a photo app on their phone than actually printed out in their wallets. If you are separated from your children or other loved ones, it would be foolish to depend on a cell phone to share their likeness. There is also a real possibility that your children could be shuttled into a temporary shelter or similar type of post-disaster government encampment. To remove them from such a place may require the presentation of a birth certificate, adoption papers, custody papers, or similar parental identification. All right, so they're going to talk here a little bit about schools here in a minute. Uh, I don't know if that has ever happened, you know, in our in our modern uh, history, uh, where they have moved kids to. Um, well, I mean, we could go back to World War II, and we know that a lot of kids in uh, in England that they were kind of shipped off all over the place, and so that was that was part of it. You know, I guess you could go back there. I, I know that um, during 
uh, when Jews, they were trying to move Jews out of, uh, you know, Germany and, and, and France and occupied areas that there were uh, kids who were separated and some of them never found their parents again. I mean, so, I mean, I guess if you went modern and you went back there, that would be, uh, you know, part of it as well. Uh, in that situation, you would want your kids to have something that would be able to, you know, for them to know who they were, you know, and, and have something that they could carry on them. Maybe even a flash drive if that was something that uh, that you could hand them and, and walk away with. But anyway, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Let me continue reading here. So let's also not assume that you or even your spouse will survive the SHTF event or make it home to your children. If you work away from home and as a prepper, you should really rethink that. Who will they be released to from school or go to for aid? You know, that whole, you know, preppers, you know, should work from home type thing. That's one of the things that I, I get emails about all the time. It's like, Todd, I, I have to work. You know, I can't. There's not an option for me. And I think we do a great disservice when we say, you know, preppers should really rethink uh, you know, not working from home. Not everybody has that option. I mean, if you have that option, if you can think it through, maybe it it it, it means you know changing your lifestyle and changing a, a bunch of things of 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 what you do and all that kind of stuff. But uh, just to kind of pass that off, you know, in these parentheses here is uh, is one of those things that we really need to be careful of because people, especially new to preparedness, hear that and it's like, man, I what do you mean? And uh, and so that's that's really tough. Being released to from school or, uh, you know, th- that's a thing. He, let me tell you something. Being an administrator that was on the campus and I was in charge of the, the reunification uh, plan if there was a situation. And uh, I remember talking about uh, an active shooter situation and how we would exit the building and get out. Uh, because and this was even before they were telling everybody, you know, uh, there were uh, run, fight and hide. You know, before they were, they were they were telling that, I was like, man, if you if you hear gunshot, you're you're running. Right. I mean, of course, you got to pay attention to where it's coming from or whatever, but you don't want to be a sitting duck in a classroom. And so uh, we had talked a little bit about that and I started talking about it and, and the teachers kind of freaked out. I mean, they did not want to hear it. Well, then that same year, that's when Sandy Hook happened. And that was, we were going into our Christmas break. And when we came back, we had a day of professional development. And let me tell you, everybody wanted to hear the plan. Everybody wanted to hear, okay, what do we do after that? Because they had the whole Christmas break to hear about it and to, uh, you know, hear all the stories and all that kind of stuff. So all of our campuses are supposed to have a place that you're supposed to go to. And of course, our, I mean, our schools are pretty big, so there's many ways out, but you were supposed to find your way back to a certain place that we had designated as a reunification site. And everybody would come there, and then we would do our quick checks, and we would have a system for releasing kids to their parents. Let me tell you something. We It was not something that we want to hold on to, or I'm saying a we, like back in the day. It's like we, I wouldn't have wanted to hold on to kids. I would have wanted to give them to their parents, you know, as, as much as possible. And so, you know, that's one reason why teachers, you should have a good relationship with your teachers and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people are listening to this and like, you know, public school system and all that. And I'm just telling you, if if that is you, you know, a lot of schools do have plans for that. And you might want to talk about that with uh, with an administrator and say, hey, is there a plan? 
I know that we we weren't specific. We didn't give people specifics about where we would go or how it would be done. I mean, the teachers knew, but we, you know, we didn't give that, we didn't put that out on the internet or anything else like that. It's like, hey, come meet us over here. Um, that wasn't that wasn't the plan. Um, because we didn't want to publicize where it would, you know, that reunification plan would be. But um, we did have that plan. So I just, you know, want, want to let you know, a lot of the times, um, you know, the schools want to get rid of the kids as, as fast as possible and get them back to their parents as fast as possible because there are going to be, and that was one of the realities, there are going to be kids who you will wind up keeping for long terms because parents are coming from downtown, parents ride the bus downtown, and then if buses aren't, uh, you know, coming back, you know, outbound, then you know, there's no way. And so having, you know, you might be one of those things. We also allowed uh, parents to be able to write a letter and say, hey, you are able to, or, you know, my neighbor so-and-so and give, you know, specific information is able to pick up my child or my neighbor who I trust or my my, my parent or, or whoever it might be, they are able to take uh, my child home, you know, in case of an emergency or, or whatever it might be. And so I know that in, in our on our campus, um, the registrar had a printed out binder with all so much information in there that, you know, if we were in, in that reunification area, she would have set up and she would have had, you know, verifying all these different things that were, that were going down. But it was also important for the teachers to know. So that kind of leads me to this next step here, uh, this next paragraph when they're talking about schools. Even though schools keep paperwork on file for authorized family or friends to pick up your children when you cannot, those types of documents are stored in the building's main office. During an emergency scenario, the students may have been moved to a nearby evacuation location with just a teacher holding a whistle and attendance roster. Although school, school emergency policies vary, I have witnessed this type of scenario plan play out during 9-11, bomb threats, and weather-related early releases. So, um, again, like I said, our registrar would have had a lot of these documents and there would have been, we might've had rosters, but those rosters would have had specific, you know, marks letting us know that there is, Hey, this person can only, the student can only go home with certain people and different things like that. And so we would have had that kind of information. And then if it was a, just a localized situation, um, we would have had district personnel there that were tied into everybody else. I mean, you know, our police officers were really quick to arrive on the scene whenever there was a, any kind of situation. If it was a mass scale situation, you know, that's a whole different story. But again, you know, you you are using your, your best judgment there. I'm not going to say that there are some overly zealous uh, school districts and teachers and administrators who would do things differently. I know that in, in our area, and I know how we did things, we were very practical in how we did things. And again, we knew our community and we had relationship with our, our parents. And that was really, really important. So again, um, your your situation is going to vary here. Um, but I also think that's a very important thing you know, if your kids go to public school, that you have a good relationship with the teachers as much as possible. You let them know, hey, that you're, you know, you're available and you communicate with them and not, you know, not being one of the helicopter parents, but letting them know that you are available. So they know who you are. They know, um, you know, your, your voice, they have the email, they have all that kind of stuff so that, 
you can communicate in, in uh, a situation that could possibly arise like this. I've spent a lot more time than I wanted to on this one just because uh, it kind of gets my, my memory jogged and I keep thinking about all of this kind of stuff. Um, let me finish off this, this uh, last couple of paragraphs here in this type. Providing documentation of a familial connection to adult and especially elderly loved ones is highly recommended as well. Checking a loved one out of a hospital, nursing home, or similar type of care facility will most assuredly require proof that you have the authority to do so. If your spouse is unconscious at a hospital, staff will require proper documentation for you to make medical decisions upon their behalf or even sit at their bedside. To establish a family connection to a loved one, keeping a copy of your marriage license is also highly recommended. A fingerprint ID card with a photo of each family member along with their fingerprints is another way to help prove a family relationship. If I remember correctly, um, one of the topics that we, we talked about in our exclusive email group uh, was that fire departments do give away like these free, you know, family fingerprint ID cards and different things, you know, do it yourself type things. So, um, you know, when they're when they're out there and they're promoting, you know, the relationship with the fire department and and emergency preparedness and the things that they do, that might be something that you might want to look into. And so calling your local fire department or your volunteer fire department and saying, hey, do you all have any resources for this? Or if you came out and talked to our neighborhood, uh, you know, do you have anything that you could bring along uh, with that? You know, I, I even think if I remember correctly. Uh, there were like, you know, they would give away uh, smoke detectors and or alarms, smoke alarms and all those different kinds of things as well, um, because they get federal funding and they want to help the community as much as possible. So that might be something, a good resource to, to think about when you're making these uh, these family, these family emergency binders and uh, kits, you know, to help identify uh, family members. So anyway, so that's the second type of documentation, you know, any kind of family connection documents. I know at the very beginning, we talked about having a, uh, you know, some photographs. I think that is something to uh, to consider there and, and switching those out just like you would, if you have a bug out bag, you are looking at that and switching things out on a regular basis, you know, as the seasons change you might also be changing out these pictures as a uh, you know year year from uh, as years go by right and so you have um, you know something uh, up to date as far as what your child might look like or what another family member might look like all right so the third type of records or the third type of documents that you might want to have in an emergency binder are medical records so keeping a detailed medical record for each loved one may help prevent improper emergency care during a disaster or alert first responders of a chronic existing condition the loved one has that should be taken into consideration quickly, such as diabetes and food allergies. In addition to keeping an immunization record and a medical history record for all loved ones stored in a safe or fireproof box, consider keeping extra copies of these vital documents in your bug out bag, get home bag, purse, kid's backpack, and in grandma's dresser at the nursing home. Some folks with diabetes and other conditions are now getting discrete tattoos on the underside of their wrist so their crucial health information will always be readily accessible. All right. I don't know about that one. I don't know about, you know, uh, tattooing the underside of your wrist. I mean, I can understand, um, you know, if, if that's something that you want to do. I remember back in the day when someone had some kind of condition they wanted to let people know about. 
there would be um, some kind of a bracelet that they would wear, and then there would there's a little charm on there with a you know the medical symbol, and then on the other side of it, it might give some kind of code or some kind of information. You know, if it was something that they were dealing with, like diabetes or seizures or, or something along those lines. I don't know if I would want a tattoo on the underside of my wrist. Uh, crucial health information, but you know that's everybody you know has uh, to deal with that on their own. So the last little part here is keeping paper copies of wills, medical power of attorney papers, burial instructions, and medical insurance plans should also be included in your medical records prepping binder. So a lot of information to think about that, just, you know, shots for your kids and, you know, shot records and all that kind of information would be something to to consider. And of course, wherever you are in in life, you know, you might not have kids at home. You might you might just be, you know, uh, maybe you're dealing with elderly parents. Maybe you have their information in your binder. So um, this is all going to vary depending on your own situation. So the next set of documents that you could you could have in your emergency binder is yes I own that documents. So money may be worth nothing during or even a long time after the SHTF, but you still want to be able to prove that any money owned in a bank in a bank is yours. Just as you need to be able to produce documentation related to your mortgage, rental agreements, insurance of all types, and vehicle registrations. Property and income tax documents going back several years should also be stored safely in case they are needed pre or post SHTF disaster. Proving that you do not owe the government a single dime may also be valuable information to possess during a long-term disaster, especially in a grid down scenario. Any paperwork pertaining to a pension plan or social security payments also belong in a financial records collection. Bank statements dating back at least a year and always kept current should also be stored safely among the prepping documents binder. So there's a lot of information there. Again, you're going to have to decide on your own what you want to do if you're wanting to put tax documents. I mean, some people's tax documents would fill a whole binder, you know, so you got to you got to decide if you want to do something along those lines. And uh, a minute I'll give you I'll give you some other options here. Um, lastly is yes, we have that document. So that this is the last type. Make an inventory list of all the preps that you are stocking by category and then a master inventory list. This detailed inventory should be updated monthly so the family knows exactly what items are stored, how many exist of each, and where all of the items are located. You can use a color coding system on storage totes that correspond with the inventory list to help loved ones find exactly what they need during a disaster situation. Possible prepper inventory category lists include medical, food, weapons, camping gear, fuel, clothing, and blankets and maps. So I think that's a that's a good one. But again, the idea of the, the emergency binder bug out binder is that like you're leaving. Now, if you get to come back and, and you're you're able to find important information, I think that's good. If you're a lone prepper, but and you're prepping for your family, I think that would be uh, something that would be important. You know, there's uh, I hear all the time uh, from from people who say, "Hey, my spouse uh, tolerates my my prepping," and so uh, you know, it, let's say you you did do something like this where you have. Now, some kind of inventory and in your inventory, you're able to say, um, you know, this information here is is, you know, in this closet or it's in the garage in this tote or, you know, whatever, whatever you do. So they're able to, to find things very easily if you weren't around. 
So that might be something that uh, you could at least tell them, hey, if I'm not around and you need any kind of this information, it's going to be here. The information is here and where to find it is right here. So that, that might be something you might want to consider. All right. So a few more thoughts here as we close out this uh, article. Organization is key. Do not just toss papers inside of a lockbox and assume they will be sorted out later as needed. There will be enough to focus on during an SHTF event. Picking through a big stack of dog-eared paper should not be one of them. Use divider tabs in the prepper binders and label what each one contains on the front and back covers as well as down the spine of the binding. Even young children who cannot yet read should be taught where to go to find important papers their caregivers may need. It will be enough that the child knows where to find the paperwork and how important it is that they share it with someone they trust or first responders who come to help them when disaster strikes. Preppers already know that their cell phones, internet, and GPS units may not work during or after a disaster. Keeping good old-fashioned paper maps stored in a binder alongside addresses and directions to reach loved ones or other important locations cannot be recommended highly enough, especially if you have children. If you and your spouse do not return home, the children should be taught when and how to go find help. Do not expect your children to remember how to get to Aunt Jane's house, especially on foot. Keep a binder that can be used by anyone in the family to find their way where they need to go to connect with other loved ones or to find aid during an emergency situation. So you got to think through that uh, situation here and uh, what your kids would do and, and how old uh, how old is old enough to be able to do something like this, right? So keeping paper copies inside of organized binders that are stored in a safe or fireproof box are stated above is but one of many options for the entire preparedness records collection. Think about the rule of redundancy we preppers are so fond of when making copies of vital records. Yes, store them in binders in a safe, but also store the same information on jump drives, kept inside of a Faraday cage, and in a waterproof survival cache buried nearby and or along routes frequently traveled as well. Okay, I don't know if I would recommend burying your you know, flash drive of important documents in a survival cache. That's just me. You do not want to store the prepper documents anywhere they could easily be seen or stolen for identity theft protection reasons. Keeping essential identity and medical records in a prepper bag or kid's backpack is fine and recommended as noted above. And again, that's something that I would not recommend putting it in a kid's backpack, right? Your information in a kid's backpack. There's just, um, be, again, going back to my experience on the campus, kids leave backpacks everywhere. And a lot of the times they go into a... Um, you know, we had uh, jackets and backpacks and lunch kits that were left behind at the end of the year when no one claimed them. They went to uh, into uh, a thrift shop, right? Or they, they they were picked up and, and, and they were given away. And so uh, you don't want that kind of inf information to be found. So um, you, you got to think that through on your own. But do not stockpile your social security card or bank records in the, in the same manner. Okay, finishing that thought there. All right, a lot of good information here, and uh, I just kind of want to want to recap on some of it. Again, remember, listen, you have to decide what you want to have in yours, and everybody's emergency binder or bug out docs or whatever you want to call it is going to be is going to be different. It's going to vary. So again, you know, you want those hard copies um, for for yourself, uh, and I think that's really important. So let me talk about a couple of different 
places where you would want to put this. So the first thing that I would say is you want to have an emergency binder in your bug out bag or you want to have it very close by so that if you are leaving in an emergency situation, you're able to grab it and take it with you. So that, that's going to be one of the most important things that you have available to you uh, along with your bug out bag. And you've thought that through, you know, we have all different kinds of things in our bug out bags, um, but this thing here would pay off greatly if you had it in an emergency binder. The second place where you might want to put a copy of all your documents is in a safety deposit box. So if you have a safety deposit box that is big enough to hold an emergency binder, or maybe it's just big enough to hold maybe a USB, you know, we'll talk about that here in just a minute, but a USB flash drive, then you can, you can use that. And then thirdly, and I got this idea from James Talmadge Stevens, who uh, he was Dr. Prepper back in the day. I don't know what he's doing nowadays. Uh, um, I know he was an older gentleman and was very wise. Uh, talked to him uh, on a podcast once, and then we talked on the phone several different times. And he had a book out back in the day. Um, he he recommending, recommended making a copy of your emergency binder and then packaging it up and giving it to a family member to hold. And so if it was a family member that you truly trusted and, you know, of course you would want to trust them, but, um, you know, he said that he put his like in a box and it was taped up and it was wrapped up and it was all that kind of stuff. And he just gave it to a family member and said, Hey, here, can you keep this in a closet? And it, it's, you know, my emergency papers. And if I ever need them, you know, I know that you have a copy if something happens to my copies, right? And so that might be something to uh, to be able to do. And and you would you would give out to a family member, especially if they lived in another part of the city or another uh, state where you would be able to uh, hand that to them. So, you know, the holidays are coming up as you're traveling or as you're visiting and you're able to say, hey, look, I made this, uh, you know, these are important documents. I made copies of them just in case something happens to uh, my home, if whatever, you know, would you consider putting these just in, in a closet somewhere and just kind of storing it out of sight? And so that's something that you might want to do. If you're making copies, then it's really easy to make digital copies. You're, you're going to have uh, you know, copies and it's really easy to scan them in or it's really easy to, to take pictures of uh, and all that kind of stuff. So in that case, if you are making digital copies, if you're scanning uh, you know, any kind of documents in uh, electronically anywhere, it's really easy to keep a flash drive. Flash drives are very inexpensive. And in that situation, let's just say you uh, were getting to a point where you might be separated from your kids. And again, I'm going back to uh, what I talked about previously. You could stick a flash drive into their hands and say, hey, here's this. Or it could be uh, you know, a flash drive with specific information. And in maybe it doesn't have all of your information, but you could have specific information for your kids. It could be pictures of, uh, of you know, you, you and your spouse. It could be pictures of, you know, a marriage license, of their birth certificate, of their social security card. Um, it could be, you know, those types of things there, pictures of your home, your address, uh, different things like that. And so you give that to them and they could have that. And so it helps to identify who they are and, and uh, you know, where, where they came from and how to communicate with you if they ever got separated. So that's kind of uh, something that you can think of when it comes to the kids, 
but you can also make digital copies of your whole emergency binder. And on top of that, you can add photos, you know, all, all the photos that you have that you wouldn't want to lose because they were, I don't know, you know, you, you might have them in an app somewhere, but all the photos that you didn't want to lose that you might have at home or maybe on some other hard drive, you can kind of uh, transfer them over. And then you could also do videos. So where this might come in handy is if you're taking pictures or videos of the contents of your home. So you might not want to take pictures of every little thing. Uh, you might want to go and you uh, you might want to take pictures of the vi the most valuable things that you have, the things that are hard to replace, but maybe the things that are valuable. Maybe it's like firearms and you want to take a picture of that and you want to take a picture of uh, serial numbers and different things that you have so that you're able to, to have those pictures uh, available to you. Or maybe you have, uh, I don't know, pictures of, of, of other things, whatever it might be. Um, that are that are more valuable and then you could take video as well of the whole home right you're you might not take pictures of each and uh, and every piece of clothing that you have but you could take a video of your closet and you get a good idea of how much clothes you have in there and again I'm going back to you know a friend of mine who who flooded during Harvey when I was talking to her about what she had to do, how she got the money for the insurance. It's like almost everything had to be line item. It's like, okay, I lost my mattress. Um, what did the mattress cost? Uh, what's the replacement value of it? And so she had to go down and had to do all of that, you know, for everything in her house. And, you know, it's one thing to do it for a room, but when you're doing a whole house, and then on top of that, you're talking about the stress of you know that you're under and all of that kind of stuff all that stuff went down and so she had to, to deal with that all on her own and so having pictures and having videos that you could look at would be very helpful to to remind you of the things that you have uh and the things that you know you don't want to miss that were in your home so again you can take quick videos and you can drop drop them down into your um, you know, into this flash drive um, where normally in an emergency binder, you wouldn't want to have all those different pictures. You can have photos and videos there. You know, this article talked about the different types. I want to talk really quickly about organization and really not talk too much about it, but to give you a resource. So my friend Linda Loosely over at foodstoragemoms.com, I, I read a lot of her articles um, on the podcast and um, you know, she's a, she's a great friend. She puts out a lot of great content, has a lot of uh, a, a good uh, following over there on her, on her website. She has emergency binder, uh, an emergency binder template that you can download. And uh, there's, there's a lot of them out there. There's some that you pay for, but she has a really good one. That's just, it's a PDF. You print it out, it's color coded. And so you can kind of go uh, and, and use that one. Uh, you might even want to add to it or whatever, but it's a starting place. So if you go to her website, foodstoragemoms.com, and you scroll all the way down to the very bottom, in purple, she has um, it, she has the, the text that says, download my free emergency binder. So when you click on that, you'll get a PDF, you'll download a PDF, and you can go ahead and print that out. Um, there's a lot of lists in there, the things to think about, things to add, um, and things to consider for your emergency binder. But there are, uh, you know, all the templates and stuff in there that you could kind of fill out. So again, uh, I think that's just, you know, a great resource out there. There's a lot of people that have other resources, but I like Linda's uh, template out there. I've always promoted that throughout the years. 
So one of the things that, that I talked about is making copies. Um, if you are making copies, uh, there's a couple of different options that you have. The first one is using an app. So I use an app on my phone called Cam Scanner, and it's a free app. Um, you know, you got to deal with the ads every once in a while. They pop up, but it's a free app that allows you to take pictures. It even has a, a way for you to make sure that you're level, <laughs> that, you're, that your phone is level so that you get as, uh, as clear as a shot as, as possible there. There's, I know other people that have scanning software on their, uh, on their phones, uh, like Adobe Scan. There's a bunch of different ones out there. So if you have one, you could go from there. You could possibly just even use the, the phone app or the, the camera app on your phone. Um, if you have a lot and you want to try to be as precise as, as possible, you could buy a document scanner that would connect to your computer. And uh, those are, you can find them for anywhere like $70 on up. And that might be something you want to consider. If you're a, if you're a teacher, you might have one in your, in your classroom already. I know that we have some really great document cameras and, and they're, uh, you know, that you could, that you could possibly use in, in our classrooms. And so, um, they're, they're not that expensive. And if you're, like I said, if you're doing a lot and you really want to do a good job, you might want to invest in a document scanner. And the other thing that you could do is just go down to an office supply, you know, go down to, you know, an office max or an office depot or a staples or whatever. Um, I don't even know if those are around anymore, but uh, just go to the, you know, to their copy machine and you're able to just copy there a little bit at a time. And so, uh, you could, you can kind of handle it there. Again, I think if you are making copies, you're able and you're keeping digital files, you're able to make multiple copies of your emergency binder and it makes it really easy. You store it on your flash drive, but you can make uh, multiple copies that you can you know have in different different places in your bug out bag. Um, you can put in a you know a safety deposit box. You can give to a family member. All those different kinds of things. I think it makes it really easy, and you do it once, it pays off big time. Well, guys, listen. Let me let me end with this. Real preparedness is kind of boring, right? It really is kind of boring, but it pays off big time. Putting together an emergency binder of important documents will be a lifesaver if you ever encounter a natural disaster that causes you to lose the contents of your home. You don't want to be dealing with a personal emergency situation and the problem of having to go stand in some line in a gov government facility to get a copy of some document that you might need. It's not sexy, but it pays off big time. Well, guys, that's it for episode 710. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.